All right, hello, hello, welcome everybody. Um, glad you're coming in. It's Dan, your friendly fishmonger from dansfish.com, back after a short hiatus of a couple weeks. Um, and for everyone that sent me a comment or an email or whatever, I'm fine. Hey, Kyle, welcome, welcome. So uh, basically, it's been, I think, two weeks since I've uh, done a stream. Tilapia, welcome. Glad you're here. And uh, for those that commented and wondered if I was okay or emailed and wondered where I was. Um, so one, two weeks ago, I was going to stream. And then I realized, oh, man, this is Valentine's Day. And uh, I'm a married man. And so I figured... I should probably spend <laughs> Valentine's Day evening, spend some time with my wife. So that's what happened there. And then as a lot of you know, last week I was on the road. I was in Spokane, Washington for business. Um, it was a great time. I had a great time in Spokane. It was freezing cold though. I felt like I had never left Wyoming. Um, but that's what happened. So um, I think most of you knew I was going to be gone last week. But the week before I just didn't do the live stream because I didn't realize until a little late like a bad husband, that it was Valentine's Day. So that's what it is. But I'm back and we'll be doing probably the regular schedule every Wednesday, seven o'clock mountain time. So for those that uh, wondered if I'm okay and everything, thank you for your concern. I appreciate that. I didn't mean to startle anyone, um, but I still have to figure out, and I swear I'm going to do this soon, how to like do the pre-scheduled live stream so I can leave comments and things to let people know better what's going on. Um, so I know I have to do that. But welcome everyone that came in. Um, appreciate you being here. Pork Slinger, <laughs> welcome back. Glad you're here. Zachary, hey, welcome. Candy, welcome. A lot of familiar faces. Glad you're all here. Thanks for being here. Thomas, hey, I'm glad you're back, Thomas. I, I'm glad you could join this one. How are those killifish doing? And, and did you get any babies? I know you got some eggs. I'm wondering if they bred for you. Um, the Applicylus dei. Um, Patrick, hello, fish fam. Yes, or, I'm sorry, I read that, Patrick. Patricia, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Patricia, <laughs> hello, fish fam. Yes, I agree. Aqua Apprentice, welcome, welcome, welcome. Glad everyone's here. Thirsty Rabbit Tank to you. Hello, yeah. Floppy, hit the like button. Yes, would you all? That would be awesome. Um, oh, awesome. Thomas has 30 Aplicylus fry. That's great. I'm glad they bred for you. Um, they're pretty easy to raise too. They hatch pretty big. So I hope you, I hope you have good success with those. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, that is wonderful. Cool. Carter Bing. Hello there. So anyway, w welcome back everyone. Glad you're here. Glad I could be back. Um, again, Valentine's day, two weeks ago, I couldn't, I couldn't stream. I had to be with the wife. And then last week I was out on business, but, um, I don't have any other trips planned for quite a while. So Wednesday, seven o'clock mountain time, Wyoming time, we'll be doing this. So glad you're all here. Um, so Thomas, I, I was curious, did you clock the incubation time on those eggs um, and how long it took for the Aplicylus dei eggs to develop into fry? Um, I'm, I'm guessing around 14 days, but I'm curious what it was for you. Um, anyway, glad they spawned for you. Glad you got babies because that's a hard fish to find. So that's excellent. Um, so I don't have, normally I like to tell you guys, you know, what the breeding updates are in the fish room, who spawned and all that. But since I've been kind of out last week, I didn't uh, set anyone up to spawn because I didn't want 
you know, freshly hatched fry to happen while I was out of town because that's when they're the most delicate. Um, so I don't have a lot to report except for a pair of beta rubra that, that spawned for me. So I have another batch of those. Um, and the previous batch, they're, they're getting close to half an inch now. They're growing pretty nicely. Uh, so that's all I've got on the breeding front. So, um, oh, tilapia store. I caught some wild killies this week. Man after my own heart. What were they? You didn't feed them to your tilapia, did you? No, you wouldn't do that, right? <laughs> Just curious what they are. You're in Florida. So um, there's a lot there, a lot of fundalus, Jordanella, a lot of different species. So curious what you got, tilapia. Aqua Apprentice, thanks for not streaming on Valentine's Day. My wife would have been pretty upset if she caught me watching your stream instead of spending time with her. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're welcome. <laughs> Sorry I couldn't announce it. That's what I feel bad. I, I actually tried to announce it. Um, I got in on Valentine's Day and I was like, oh man, I've got to let these people know. And I, I tried to do that, but I don't know the system well enough. So I kind of crossed my fingers and hoped it went through, but I don't think it did because I got a lot of people emailing me afterwards saying, hey, where was the stream? And all that. Lumpy Dog in the house. Where you been? So Lumpy Dog, um, two weeks ago was Valentine's Day and I just didn't realize that in advance because I'm a dude and... Yeah. Um, and so it wasn't until Wednesday when I was like, oh, man, I better spend time with my wife instead. So that's what happened then. And then last week I was out on business. So it's been two weeks since I've been able to stream, but I shouldn't be going out uh, anytime soon. So we should be able to do this regular again like we were. Um, anyway, Thomas, still waiting for you to tell me how long the incubation period was, if you know, and how the, the fry on the Aplicailus Dei are doing. So I'm curious, has anyone else had any fish spawn for them since we last talked? I mean, we've had a while. Um, I'm, someone had anchor catfish spawn, I think, last time we talked. And I'm, I can't remember who, but I'm really dying to know about that species. I've never spawned them. I've never seen them spawn. So I'm curious if they hatched, um, what the story is on those little anchor catfish. Uh, who was that? I forget. Um, Thirsty Rabbit, the sword tails I set up for the kids had babies. What a nice find when doing a water change with my son. Yeah, that's awesome. It's awesome for the kids and it's still, I, I still love it every time I find babies in a tank. It, it never gets old. Although sometimes it's like, oh man, where am I going to put these? <laughs> Stop! Especially with like guppies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm curious um, what people have had spawn. Thirsty had sword tails, which is awesome. Or if there's any questions out there, um, anyone run into anything this week or in the last couple weeks, I guess, where they were like, hey, man, I, I, need, a, I need a hand. Or if anyone's thinking of building a fish room or any of that stuff, I've, I've done a few of those and I can talk about that. So pretty much freshwater fish stuff. If you have questions or want to know something, um, I'm your guy. I'll try my best to answer your question. Carter being had a pair of discus that spawned. That's great. But the fry didn't make it. Yeah, discus are tough. Peter Thiel, hi, hi, Peter. Discus are tough, Carter. Um, and is that the pair? Is that the the pair's first time, or is, have you had success from that pair before? Um, was it a community tank, or are you really trying to spawn them? I'm curious. Aqua Apprentice, I got some angel eggs moved outside in a tub to see what happens. Figure it's better than letting them get ate in the community tank. Yeah, I think most will fungus over, but it's worth a shot. Um, so Aqua. Maybe they will, but, and you probably already know this, but um, 
If you get a little air stone in there to get some water circulation, you don't want the bubbles right on the eggs, but just above the eggs a little bit is good or next to them uh, to get the air, uh, the water circulation going. That helps to keep them from fungusing. And then some people use methylene blue to kind of help prevent fungus. I use, as you know, I'm sure by now, I use uh, hydrogen peroxide and uh, just change the water two, three times a day. So I don't know if that helps you, but I hope that I hope you have good success with those. Thomas, I'm not exactly sure. Tanks on the ground, so spotting eggs is difficult. Oh, okay, so so Thomas got eggs and babies of the Aplicylus dei that I sent him a few weeks ago, and uh, about 30 babies now, which is awesome. And I was asking him how long the incubation time was for those just joining us, and he's telling me I don't know. <laughs> they were tanks on the ground and the eggs up are in the plants, so it's hard to hard to know when they were laid. Carbing. Not the first time. I have them in a 20-gallon tank all alone. Okay, cool. So that's the discus. Um, Carter, are you really actively trying to spawn them? Um, and are you having trouble? Because if so, let me know, and I'll kind of talk you through what I know. With the caveat, the discus is not a fish that I've ever really dug into spawning. I've kept them, but I haven't really dug into spawning them. So... Um, if you want to know a little bit about what I've read about and seen other people do, then I can talk about that. But, uh, but maybe you've had success and you know what you're doing. It's just this pair was a dud. I don't know. Um, tilapia store. Heterandria formosa. Okay, cool. So tilapia um, caught some wild fish. So he's telling me what they are. So it's the least killifish, Heterandria formosa, uh, which is an honorary killifish. It's actually a live bearer, but, um, but we call them killifish, their common name. Ucania goodyear. Cool. So that's a, a little bluefin killie, about an inch long, looks like a rocket. Those are beautiful fish. The golden top minnow um, and flags. Awesome. I've never kept the top minnows yet. Um, is that chrysotis? Uh, Fundalus chrysotis? Is that the golden top minnow? Um, red dots along the flanks of the body. Um, I'm assuming it's that one, but let me know if it's a different species. But when I hear golden top minnow, I think of uh, Fundalus chrysotis, uh, beautiful fish, uh, nice golden fins with uh, with red dots along the flanks. Yeah. Candy overhauls, any info on moving a planted tank? Please tell me I don't have to uproot everything. Can anyone help uh, candy overhaul? I'm, I'm unfortunately candy. I'm not a big planted tank guy. I've never, um, I've never moved a big planted tank other than like Java moss and Java fern and you know, throwing water sprite in a bag to move it and, you know, maybe sylvinia, you know, really hardy things like that. But I've never taken a nice aquascaped aquarium and moved it. So I'm not the guy I wish I were, but um, I'm sure there's people in the in the stream here that, that have done that and can give you some advice. So if anyone knows about that, uh, please chime in so we can help Candy out. Kyle's Wild World, my super red spawned. Cool. So those are discus, I'm assuming, super red discus. Um, that's fantastic. I hope that uh, I hope the eggs are viable and you get a nice batch out of them. Also, the Betahendra, I have at least three generations. So I'll be trying a 30-gallon community tank since the adults are not at all aggressive towards the juveniles. Yeah, that could work really well if you get the Betahendra in a tank, um, you know, some plants or, you know, maybe some driftwood in there, hiding spots and things, and they can just propagate in there. That's a great way to do it. Um, Maybe when my rubber get big enough, Kyle, maybe I'll talk to you about maybe doing a trade or something if you're interested, but I'm still a few weeks away from them being big enough to, to really do that. Um, and I don't know if you want better rubra or not, but 
I'd love to try Hendra someday. Lumpy Dog, I only breed live bearers, so pretty basic and simple. Yeah, but they're still awesome. Uh, cute little things, though. My koi sword tail fry look like little creamsicles swimming around. I love koi swords. Um, do you have the Kohaku or the tricolor? Which which variety of koi do you have? Um, but yeah, nothing wrong with live bears. But yeah, you're right. It's pretty straightforward for most of them. Um, and Lumpy Dog, do you breed like lots of them or do you just have some like tanks and every now and then there's some fry and you're cool with that? Or, or are you breeding like show stock or just for the hobby? I'm just curious kind of what your, your setup and your intentions are uh, with that. Patricia. I said it right, right? <laughs> Sorry again, Patricia, about earlier. Found two tiny ghost shrimp. Really? In my tank started with five. I'm up to seven in my planet tank. Well, that's amazing. If, if by ghost shrimp, you're talking about the shrimp from the East Coast of the United States, like little glass shrimp, ghost shrimp, grass shrimp, they call them all kinds of names, but with the, the long uh, arms with the pinchers on them, um, that's cool because usually if that's the if that's the same species or the same type of shrimp I'm thinking of, usually they have to go through like a brackish water thing and a marine water thing and all, all of that. So if you got them to breed in freshwater, that's that's cool. In fact, there's probably a lot of people that would be like, hey, I want those if I can raise them in freshwater. Um, because you get questions all the time about people asking how to breed ghost shrimp. So if you successfully got babies, that's fantastic. Um, so I guess my question is, did, was it just in fresh water and you just found little baby shrimp alive in there? Because if it's pure fresh, then, then that's quite a thing. That usually doesn't happen. That's awesome. Peter Thiel, colony breeding my guppies. Yep, many International Fancy Guppy Association breeders preach against it. What are your thoughts, Dan? Um, so Peter, I think it's totally up to you. Um, it depends on what your goals are. So you have to keep in mind that the IFGA breeders are serious about breeding specifically for traits that will be passed on purely to the next generation so they can fix their strain so that they can enter them in shows and sell that strain and it'll breed pure for the person that purchases it. Um, it's very much... And then there's people that just want to breed guppies for fun and have some babies and maybe want different colors and stuff because they would rather have a rainbow than one pure strain. So it totally depends on if it's, I'm just doing this for fun or I'm doing this so my kids can see some babies or I only have a few tanks and I want as many varieties as possible versus no, I'm trying to breed a show quality guppy and sell them in a way that my customer will have the confidence that the strain is fixed. And if they spend the big money for a show guppy pair, which is easily 40, 50 bucks, even more, um, that what they're doing when they spend that money is they're buying the genes so that when they spawn them, they get the same line. So it depends on what you're trying to do. Basically, my thoughts are this. I think colony breeding is just fine. If your goal is to just breed some guppies, even good quality guppies. Um, if you don't mix strains, you can colony breed and you can get some good quality individuals. If you're really trying to fix a trait and, um, and make them as show quality as possible, then you might wanna be a little more selective. But here's what I do like about colony breeding is that you get a little more genetic material in there than if you just have like 
one male and one female, or what usually happens, a trio, right? One male and two females. Um, but if you want to do colony breeding and you want to get the best possible like show traits fixed, but you want to do colony, then you can do that as well. You can keep the colony going. And then after a certain point, pick out the best individuals you can, say a dozen, 24, whatever, how big, it depends on how big the tank is you're putting them in. And then put those in a separate tank, keep that strain going, sell off the guppies in the old tank, unless you just want to keep them, you know, that's fine too. But um, if you sell them off, then after a little while, you can take the best dozen from the second tank and put them back in that first tank. And you're kind of continually keeping the quality up by selecting the best individuals. Um, show guppies though, if you're really going for like pure show strains with the best traits and you want to fix traits and you want to know exactly what the genetics are that each uh, female is getting in, in passing on to the babies, then what you have to do is you have to separate the fry before the males can breed with the females. So at a very young age, you have to sex them and separate them out. And then you select only the best females and only the best males and put them together in a way that you know exactly who the parents are. And that way you can keep the genetic diversity up by having several strains of the same strain, bloodlines of the same strain going and mixing cousins instead of fathers and daughters and things like that, you know, keeping it as genetically diverse as you can in the strain. But the key is that female is only bred with that one male. And that way, you know that the babies carry those genes because the moment a female breeds with any other male, then she can retain that sperm within her for, I don't know how long, maybe her entire life, but for a long time. And so you're never sure who the father is, if it's the male she bred with most recently or the male she bred with a month or two ago, right? So it really depends on your goals. They're both fine. It's just, what are you trying to do? Um, TJ Snyder, oh, and, per, and by the way, Peter, I, I think colony breeding is fantastic. That's the way I approach things, um, usually with live bears. I, I find it's more fun to watch the tank. I find better behavior. I find the aggression is less of an issue because it's more spread out. And um, a lot of these fish, if you go look at live bears in the wild, a lot of them are, are living in a colony. Um, they're not necessarily a solitary fish. They're not a schooling fish a lot of times per se, but you'll see them in, in, in groups. Um, so I like to keep them in colonies. But then again, I'm not entering mine in like, you know, IFGA shows or anything like that. Um, TJ Snyder, what would you consider the best store-bought flake pellets, frozen in live food for discus? Okay, so TJ, um, when it comes to flakes, I'm not super picky because I only feed flakes occasionally in the mix, and I'm just doing that uh, to get a variety in there and to try to get the vitamins and minerals that the flakes are coated with into the fish's diet. So the bulk of what I feed is frozen and live. Um, and Hikari is my go-to frozen food brand. Just over the years, I found it to be the cleanest. It has less, when you go to thaw it out, it has less uh, detritus that gets up in the water. Um, it's just a cleaner food if, in my experience. So bloodworms, um, 
brine shrimp and mysis shrimp. Discus love mysis shrimp. Um, so I get the bloodworms and brine shrimp from Hikari. I get the mysis shrimp from Piscine Energetics. It's super expensive, but it's really good quality. Um, and then for, for pellets, there's a lot of good brands. I like Hikari, but I also feed Piscine Energetic pellets and things. But again, if I'm feeding three times a day, then I'm feeding pellets only one of those feedings. The other times it's frozen or live. And then the next day I'm feeding frozen or live, but then one of the feedings is a flake. So I'm really just using the flakes and the pellets more often than not to supplement the mix for vitamins and minerals. Um, so being that they aren't the bulk of what I feed, I, I can go with Tetra, you could go with Cobalt, any of those lower quality, or you could go up to Sarah. Sarah Discus is, is great food. Um, it's really up to you. If you're feeding if the bulk of your feeding is pellets and flakes, then you'll want to make sure you have a really high quality pellet and flake you're feeding. But if it's just an occasional supplement, basically for the vitamins and minerals, it's less important. So I don't know if that was helpful, but that's kind of my, my thought for that. Live food for discus, um, anything pretty much that they'll eat. Just again, in rotation. So I feed blackworms don't have any problems with it. But then the next feeding is brine shrimp to help help uh, get some fiber in their diet so they don't get bloated. I feed mysis shrimp, don't have problems, as long as the next feeding is something else. So it's, it's more about, for me, about rotating food through and giving a variety than saying this is kind of the one food. But all the common uh, live and frozen foods are great. Um, as long as they're big enough that the fish can see them and eat them, you know, a full-grown discus trying to eat microworms probably isn't going to work out well. And small enough that the fish can eat them without any problem. So um, it's a little bit of a general answer, but that's kind of my thought when it comes to uh, how to feed discus, but also um, any fish really. And if you go back in my videos, I have a video on discus nutrition where I talk about this, but I also talk about the benefits of fulvic acid, which I think is an important element in a lot of fish diets that's missing. So if you want to know more about that and kind of how I approach discus feeding or fish feeding in general, um, I have a, a video on my YouTube channel called, I think it's called discus nutrition or discus feeding and nutrition to check out for more info. Carter being, yes, I am. Oh, geez. What was the question you were answering? Um, oh, okay. So Carter is specifically trying to breed the discus. Great. Um, okay. And you're a bit of a novice with discus. Great. So we'll get into that in a little bit, uh, Carter. Um, but I want to get to Aqua Apprentice's question. Um, how much hydrogen peroxide do you add to prevent fungus? Uh, let me see. I have to open up a sheet to see what it is. I know what it is when I add it just in the small little containers for hatching and things, and I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> um, let me look on my dosage sheet here. Hydrogen peroxide, two milliliters per gallon is, is what I do um, right around that. has worked well for me. So for an egg bath, two milliliters per gallon of hydrogen peroxide, um, Aqua Apprentice is the dose I use. And I find that eggs are not very sensitive to it. So um, you can experiment and see if you need to go a little higher or a little lower, but I've not had a problem with it. 
the reason I say experiment is because um, everyone's water is different. So two milliliters per gallon, that's ML, milliliters, um, works great in my water, but yours might be hard water and it might have a higher bacteria load and all that. So you might need to play, but that's what I use with success. So, um, so I wanna, I'm gonna start talking to Carter about, we just talked about feeding discus. Uh, I'm gonna answer, talk with Carter a little bit about breeding discus. Um, if anyone here um, has success breeding discus and has any advice, please chime in. Um, again, Carter, I wanna give the caveat that this is not a fish that I've bred a lot of, um, and, but I've seen a lot of people do it and I've read a lot about it. Um, and you have them in a 20 gallon, I think the key is a lot of food. Um, mysis will help them put weight on um, for sure. Um, again, rotating the diet like we just talked about, but a lot of food, super clean water, and then the temperature, right? Um, 84 to 86 is probably great for trying to breed them. Um, that's really kind of the basics of it. Then the question is, do you have a compatible pair? Well, you're getting eggs, so assumably, assu I assume you do. Um, I've talked to a lot of breeders. I don't know what your water parameters are, but I've talked to a lot of breeders and some go with RODI water and get a really high hatch rate. Um, so really soft water. And then others don't worry about it. They have super hard water and they get a lower hatch rate, but they still get plenty of fry. So it, it seems like from the breeders I've talked to, you can kind of choose to, uh, Go simple and use what you got, just keep it clean, or go high-tech and do RODI for that. So it's the food, the clean water, the parameters depending on the yield you're trying to achieve, and then if you have a compatible pair. And I know lots of breeders that it's been several spawnings before the um, parents um, successfully raised the fry or before the eggs uh, hatched and were fertilized and all that. So if this is the first time, um, I think from what I've talked about my advice or talked to people about breeders about and read and things, the best thing to do is probably just to let them go a few times. And then if they're still not fertile, then maybe try softening the water, um, things like that. And then if you still don't have success, then it just might be that the male's not fertile. They're uh, some kind of incompatible pair. Or sometimes you have two females um, and you've got a whole lesbian discus thing going on. That happens. So um, that's kind of just some thoughts on that for you. If you have any more specific questions, please ask. And if I have talked to a breeder I know about it, I'll respond. If not, I'll hope someone more knowledgeable uh, chimes in about that. Kyle's Wild World. For candy overhauls, drain it. So this is how to move a fully planted tank. So drain it if you can, lift it with the substrate and plants. You should be good for weeks as long as it has good light and is kept very humid. I would put a tight lid on it and mist it daily. Okay, great, great. Hope that helps, uh, Candy. And thanks, Kyle, for responding to that. Aquarium Cop, hi, Dan. Well, hi, Aquarium Cop. <laughs> I think that's another cool handle, Aquarium Cop. It's gotta be like a... If you go to fish conventions, you got to dress as a cop, man, and have like a, instead of like a cop badge, like a fish badge and all that. That would be awesome. Go all cosplay about it. A thirsty rabbit. Um, 
It was a mixed day. I also found some white spot on Red Devil, One Dot, and Jaguar Dot on the eye. So I treated with meds, and today adding salt, and in three days I'll start water change every day, or REM. I'm not sure what REM stands for besides rapid eye movement or the band. Um, remedy, maybe, if needed. Okay. Um, man, Thirsty, I'm sorry you're getting white spot. Um, I'm assuming you're talking about ick, but, you know, white spots could be other things as well. Those are all big, hardy fish, though, red devils and jaguars and things. So uh, I, I, think, I think you're on the right track. I, I hope they pull through for you. Those are pretty tough fish, though. Um, and I know I beat this drum to death, but besides the meds and the salt and the things you're doing, just keeping the water so clean, um, is, is very helpful. Um, keeping that chemically, keeping it clean will do a lot for you as well. Um, all right. Candy's thanking Kyle as, as he deserves. Yep. Thirsty Rabbit. Thank you again. That's the right attack. All right. Brent. Hey, been a while. Hey, guys. Hey, Brent. Yeah, welcome. Um, Tilapia store. Funnelist Kershotis is the golden top minnow. Yeah, that's what I thought you were talking about. That's a beautiful fish. And there's even a species that um, is melanistic or something, has like a bunch of, of black markings on the side too. Not a species, same species, a variety. Um, I've seen them both and I like them a lot. Um, so I hope I'm not lying. I believe I've seen that on the Chrysotis. Viola, hello. Well, hello. Welcome back. Uh, Kyle's Wild World, Super Red Plecos. Oh, so Kyle's breeding Super Red Plecos, not Super Red Discus. Ancestress. Okay, gotcha, Kyle. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying. <laughs> Thomas, I've got some geophagus coming in on Friday. Oh, that's cool. Which species? Um, I have some more cherry shrimp. I've got about a dozen panda cori fry. Oh, that's great. In my lone epistogramma <laughs> McMaster, I laid eggs. <laughs> Happy fish all around. All right. So epistogramma caviar, just take that out and put it in another tank and the fish will love it. <laughs> all right. That sounds like a good couple of weeks, Thomas. You're, you're kicking butt with that. Um, yeah. Curious which species of geophagus you're getting in. Geophagus are awesome. They're so good. Uh, for those that haven't tried them, they do great in in a tank where you want something to sift the bottom and keep it clean. They're, they're generally, you know, fairly big compared to a lot of our uh, aquarium fish and, and quite peaceful being a cichlid. So they do well, like in a rainbow tank or, you know, something like that. They're, they're an awesome addition. Um, that's exciting. Kyle, I'll do lots of moss. Okay. So we're talking to think about the Betahendra community breeding tank that Kyle's going to set up. I'll do lots of moss and top water plants to keep it dim for them while still having plants to remove waste. I love to keep piles of leaves with soft water fish like Betahendra. Yeah, of course. That's awesome. I do that too. I go collect the, uh, the hardwood tree leaves in the fall that are around oak leaves and some other species. Um, make sure they're dry really well. And then I put them in the tanks too. Um, they love it. And the snails and the, all the little critters... You know, they feed off it and then any babies that appear, that can be a food source for them. Leaves are awesome. They're not always the most sightly for someone that wants like, you know, a beautiful crystal clear tank in their living room to impress the in-laws or whatever, but, but 
they're a cool natural look. Peter Thiel, my goal is to show the guppies. All right. So uh, real briefly, kind of what we talked about before. So separate the males and females before the females are impregnated. Um, raise them up until you can see the quality of the fish, Peter. And then be really careful in your selection of which males go with which females. And keep track, keep records of which males go with which females. So as you continue um, the strain, you can make sure you know where that trait came from. So if you need to get that trait in a different fish, you can select it for that breeding pair. Or if you're breeding different bloodlines of the same strain, you know which ones are the most distantly related you can select and breed back. So um, you're gonna need several tanks for each strain to do that if you're going for show guppies, kind of for the IFGA competition type thing. Um, now, don't get me wrong, you can get good quality fish by community breeding and occasionally separating out the, the best like we talked about before. But if you're really trying to, to, to zero it down, um, separate them young and keep track and use lots of tanks and, and you'll be great. Lumpy Dog, 10 tanks. All right, Lumpy Dog setup, here it is. 10 tanks, eight breeding tanks, guppies, mollies, and swordtails just for fun. Giveaway extras, may end up selling some to local fish store for small store credit, just enjoying the hobby. Yeah, good for you, that's awesome. So that's the low stress way to keep fish, right? That's the way to just enjoy, relax, and get some babies. That sounds like a fun time. Patricia, secret is fresh. Okay, so um, this is the, um... oh wait, hang on. I think we're talking about the ghost shrimp, right? Secret is fresh black water in a lot of hiding places in guppy grass, black water, tannins from wood and catapa leaves, daily water change um, for one week, about 23% each time, temp of 78. All right, I believe, let me double check, but I believe Patricia is talking about, yeah, yeah, hang on. I wanna make sure I get this right. Yeah, the ghost shrimp. That's amazing. I had no idea that people would use soft, acidic water, black water for ghost shrimp. So you're really doing it in pure fresh water. Patricia, that is fantastic. You are the first person I've ever heard of successfully breeding ghost shrimp, um, if that East Coast strain native to the US um, in pure fresh water. That's, this is news to me. This is exciting. I'm learning something. That's really cool. Um, that's a fairly predatory species, so I guess you would have to keep it kind of heavily planted, like you say, guff, guppy grass and hiding spaces. Otherwise, the parents will probably pick off the babies. So I, I understand why you need that. But this is really cool. You're kind of blowing my mind right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, all right, Papa Doubles, did you collect the baby guppies into another tank? Do you collect the baby guppies into another tank? Um, so Papa Doubles, I think I probably answered that in my previous uh, discussion about community breeding guppies. But, but yes, you don't have to. Um, you can keep them there and just occasionally pull the best from the lot. Um, but I, I tend to pull the baby guppies out just because um, I feel like they get a better shake. They, they don't have to compete with adults for the food. And um, so I generally do. You don't have to, though. You can call any breed and just leave them all together um, and enough babies will grow that 
that you'll generally be fine if you have like plant cover and things. Thomas Perkins, I think my endlers are throwing hybrids. How long does it take them to clean them out? I've never done that, Thomas, so I'm not sure. Um, that being said, a lot of endlers are hybrids. In fact, I would say there's more hybrids than non-hybrids, and it might even be a little difficult to find pure endler strains. Um, I mean, they're out there, but a lot of the endler strains are hybrids um, because they're trying to get like the tiger stripes in there and all that stuff. And so that's very common. Once an organism, um, once you have a hybrid situation, then technically it's never, those genes are in there and you can breed for traits that you want and all that and get that pretty pure. But I don't think you could ever say that you now have a non-hybrid 10 generations later or anything like that. So um, they'll never be pure endlers again, I guess is what I'm saying, that strain. So it's not a situation of you can clean out the guppy genes from the endlers genes. Some of them are going to remain. But if your goal is, I only want pure endlers, that's a problem. But if your goal is, I want some really cool looking endlers, then that's no problem at all. Um, you just embrace that that's what's going on and breed for the traits you want. But once you get guppy genes in the strain, I don't think you can ever sell them again as pure endlers. But that being said, the honest truth is they probably weren't pure endlers to begin with. Odds are they had some guppy genes in there. So that's my take on that. If anyone else here is an expert on endlers and guppies and stuff, uh, please chime in. But but that's that's where I stand. Um, Patricia, oops, sorry, hard water also. So Patricia, are you saying you can breed them in hard or soft water, but you bred yours in, in soft black water? Could you clarify for me kind of what you mean there? I'm not quite sure. Um, Peter Thiel. Thanks, Dan. You're welcome, Peter. Hope it helps. Um, again, just one guy's opinion, but IFGA has a lot of really intense guppy breeders that um, would would love to geek out with you <laughs> on their secret sauce for making cool guppies. So uh, if I kind of gave you what I got, but if, if you want more, there's definitely a lot of people out there. Um, Lumpy Dog. Not sure sword tail names. One strain has orange head in rear with white middle. Okay, so that's Kohaku. Um, if there's no black on it, it's orange on each side with a white middle. That's a Kohaku Koi. Um, the other strain is orange head, all white body. Not breeding true yet. Still get a mix with some albino. So that's what I would call just a general Koi. Um, yep. In, you know, in the Kohaku line, sometimes they throw ones that have an orange head in, in a white body and all that and you can separate that out and kind of get that strain pure that's a fun project aqua apprentice i'll be listening in the background trying to learn how to make a website all right good luck um wix squaresoft <laughs> let them do the work for you man <laughs> um thomas perkins aqua apprentice what program host are you using yeah good question let me dog hydrogen peroxide is great for safe bba control um my mind is blaking on BBA. Blackbeard algae. Thank you for a moment. <laughs> I blanked on that. Yeah, I hear that. I hear a lot of people use uh, hydrogen peroxide to treat BBA. In fact, I think uh, I think Aquarium Co-op has like a whole video on, on doing it 
or maybe it was Bob Steenfont. Steenfont, not font. Steenfont. Anyway, yeah, I've heard that too. Um, Aqua Apprentice, trying out TMD hosting with WordPress. Oh man, you got your work kit out for you. Yeah. Well, break a leg. Hope it works well for you. Um, Doug's Fish Adventure, just got off word catching you in live chat. What's up, Dan? What's up? <laughs> I can't say my own name. What's up, Dan? Well, what's up, Doug? Glad you're here. Glad you're off work, right? Woo! Hope it was a good day. Thomas, Aqua Apprentice, it is easy, cheap to use. Okay. Susie Q O'Connor. Hi, guys. Hi, Susie. Thanks for joining us. We're alive and well. Um, I got your note, your comment. Thank you. Everything's fine. Uh, just two weeks ago was Valentine's Day, and last week I was out of town for business, and I haven't figured out how to message, leave messages on people's feeds through YouTube and all that. I don't, I don't even know if I can in my subscriber rate. So that's something I got to dig into and figure out. So I don't leave you guys in the lurch or wondering what happened to me. But we're all good, Susie. Thanks for checking in on me, though. I appreciate it. Thomas Perkins, discus are fun. It's just a pain in the butt to market them in my area. I'm not doing it again until I can ship across the country. Huh. So it's trouble selling them, huh? Man, I'm sorry to hear that. I've Usually people are clamoring every time I've had them. People are knocking down my door. <laughs> sorry, you're not in that situation. Um, I've had great luck shipping them, though. I have to tell you... Um, if you fast them so their system clears out and you uh, package them well, um, I've shipped them all, all around. And, and they're actually, healthy discus are really hardy. I'll just say that. Um, now an unhealthy discus is very delicate, but healthy discus, really hardy fish. Oh man, people are gonna come down on me for saying that. But in my experience, it's been true. If if I meet their basic needs, keep the temperature up, you know, keep the water clean. Um, they've been hardy and yeah, I'll have to treat them and things like that when I first get them in. But once they're over that acclimation hump, they're kind of rock solid in my experience. Aquatic Jack, sup Jan, Dan, what's up Jack? Again, I, I'm having trouble saying my name. Apparently I'm Jan now. Eh. Hey, I, I, I say everyone else's name wrong. So why not my own? <laughs> Keeping it crypto. What's up? What's up, crypto? Glad you're here. Thomas, Tapajos Red. Okay, good. So that's the that's the geophagus you're getting. That's that's a cool one. I've yet to meet a geophagus I don't like, though. Or a gymna geophagus. They're they're fantastic as well. Uh, Aquatic Apprentice at Thomas Perkins. I will have to get back to you. I'm still learning. Okay, so we're talking, we're talking website stuff. Um, Lumpy Dog, my video and audio is out of sync. It's like watching a foreign kung fu movie. Is that happening to anyone else? I hope not. I Let me know if everyone else is in Lumpy Dog's situation, because if they are, then it's on my end. But what I'm seeing, it seems okay, but... <laughs> I should, when I go to release this, I should like do Kung Fu subtitles <laughs> underneath just for you, Lumpy Dog. <laughs> I, Carter, I ended up having two proven pairs of discus, but the fry haven't made it past a week. So Carter, um, which color strain of discus are you doing? Some of the light strains, pigeon bloods and things, um, it can be difficult for the fry to find the parents to feed on them. 
because the fry are attracted to the dark color on the side of the parent fish. So a lot of time, if you're breeding a light colored discus, say a pigeon blood or something like that, then you almost have to surrogate them in with another pair, which is a dark color. Um, that happens frequently, frequently enough that it's, it's all over the discus forms and the, the discus breeders talk about it is a normal thing that they have to do. So I'm just curious what color you have. Um, because if you're trying to raise them on the parents, it could be an issue with that going on. Um, but maybe not, hopefully not. If they're surviving two weeks though, they've got to be latching on. They've got to be, uh, eating off the parents. So maybe that's not it at all. And now I'm rambling. Anyway, that was probably helpful, but Hey, you got to two weeks or you got to a week. Oh, okay. So, Hey, that's something they hatched. You got to a week. That's good. That's good. Um, everyone's laughing at Lumpy Dog for his Kung Fu uh, audio issues. <laughs> Susie Q O'Connor, I just got my axolotls. They are awesome. I'm putting them together. A new tank for them. The first tank is too low to the ground. I want to see them. Yeah, of course. Um, well, that's great. I hope you enjoy them. Um, what color did you get? Are you trying to breed them or are they just going to be pets? Um, and sorry, guys, that's just where my mind goes. I'm like, oh, you got a cool species? going to breed it? <laughs> that's, that's just, that's the part of the hobby I dig into naturally, but nothing wrong with just keeping stuff for pets. Um, Patricia, thank you. You're welcome. I, I assume that's directed to me. If so, you're welcome. Scout Town, yo, welcome Scout Town. Glad you're in the house. Thomas, there's an inland species of crystal, of crystal shrimp from Oh, crystal shrimp from Alabama, Mississippi, and Georgia that look almost identical to ghost shrimp, only slightly larger. Oh, that's cool. So, so if they're an inland species, then, then they, they don't have to have the brackish, right? Or the sea, sea water. What's that called? I forget. I used to know. There's a word for that when a species goes from fresh to salt and back. Um, yeah. I wonder if that's the ones you have then, Patricia, the, the inland species that would be pure fresh water. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thomas is trying to get the same strain. Candy. Well, Dan, unable to say your name. Nah, I know, and I swear, it's just water. It's just water in here. <laughs> just some fine water. See, I, I have this thing. I'm like, Maybe I try to talk too fast when I'm live streaming, but I have this fear of being boring. Like the last thing I want is for it to be slow and super boring for you guys. So I tend to just speed through it. So when I do that, I trip over easy words like my name. Apparently I'm Jan. Carter Bean, you are fine here. No Kung Fu here. Okay. So, all right. All right. I guess that's, that's just you, Lumpy Dog. Enjoy the, enjoy the uh, foreign film. <laughs> fishing glass. Wow. Where you been, Dan? So fishing glass, um, real briefly, because I've already said it a few times and I don't want to bore people. Um, two weeks ago, I realized kind of when I got home from work, because <laughs> oops, that it was Valentine's Day. And so I couldn't stream. I had to, I had to spend time with my wife. That's just, I, you just have to. And, um, I tried to put a message out to let everyone know, but I'm still not sure how to do that pre-scheduled stuff, honestly. 
live stream wise on YouTube. I'm trying to figure that out. So I'm not sure if it went out. And then last week I was out of town on business. So, but I'm back and I should be back for the long term. I'm not going out of town again for a while. So, um, sorry about that. And sorry for about just kind of disappearing. Um, Carter blue pigeon blood. Okay. Well, that might be Carter being an issue. Um, so you think I need to purchase a darker pair? Yeah, that could definitely be an issue, Carter, um, with those light colored discus. Just what the fry cue into is the dark pigment on their skin. That's kind of like the shimmering calling card. And those light strains don't have that. Um, before you just go out and buy a darker pair, though, um, you might want to search simply discus and um, see what the talk is there. Um, there's a lot of experienced breeders there. Simply Discus is a discus form. It's very active. A lot of people are still there, unlike most forms that are kind of dying off. So maybe post there and just say, hey, I have this species, this strain of discus. This is what's going on. Um, some crazy guy on the internet told me that, you know, light colored strains can have this issue and see, see if they agree that that's possibly the problem. But I've talked to breeders that have said that. Um, and read about that quite a bit as well. So it might be worth a shot. Just maybe it's a situation for a second opinion, just because discus are so expensive. I would hate for you to go buy a dark pair and then like the next spawn is successful and you're like, man, now I'm out all this money. So Bob, you are never boring. Thank you. Yes, watching a man trip over his own name is quite entertaining. <laughs> That's true. Scout Town, still have any white cheeks? Yes, I do. Scout Town, I have... Uh, at least a dozen. So I've, I have quite a few white cheeks left. And by the way, that reminds me, there is someone, it might've been, I think it might've been you, Scout Town, that sent me a comment asking that question. I apologize to everyone who I haven't got to in a little while. But when I was out of town, I was, I was doing a, a theater festival uh, for my work. And those are intense. That's like pilot season at a TV network. It's just it's early mornings, it's, it's late nights, and it's exhaustion. It's, it's intense. It's fun. It's great. But there's no way to do anything but that. And then the week before that, we had a major snowstorm here, like major. And um, trying to deal with, like, school is never an issue in Wyoming. There's a blizzard. We go to school. We go to work. It's, like, not an issue. This was so bad that they had to delay the start of school at my kid's school and at the college. And I mean, it was bad. So I was dealing with that. So I'm way behind on comments. Um, my goal is by the end of the day tomorrow to get to have responded by ever, to everyone that's left a comment or sent me an email. I know I'm behind. I'm sorry, but I'll be getting to you guys soon. But yes, uh, Scout Town, I've got, I've got quite a few of the white cheek gobies still. And by the way, Every goby that I've sent has arrived alive and people send me pictures a week, two weeks later and they're settled in, they're doing great. They're a really hardy species. They're awesome. Doing well for everyone that I've sent them to. So, uh, Patricia, I have here in Arizona, hard water at first. I had a hob filter. Oh, hang on back filter. <laughs> you know those hob filters. Hang on back filter and had to use pillow softener for a couple of weeks to soften the water, fed them with different type of food two times a day, wafers and bloodworms. Okay, that's great to know. Thanks, Patricia. Yeah. Uh, fish and glass, all good, all right. Uh, Thomas, 
We have a saying here in Oklahoma, good whiskey, bad water. Tap water is 80 proof around here. Cheers. <laughs> good whiskey, bad water. That's funny. Yep. When the water is bad, you got to make the whiskey good because what else is there to drink, right? You know, it blew my mind. Uh, for those that don't know, I, I spent uh, some time in Argentina and it blew my mind. A, a big bottle of Quilmes beer was less expensive than a bottle of water. So what do you think most people drink? <laughs> yeah, it blew my mind that beer was cheaper than water there. Um, Patricia, not trying to breed it, just happened. Yep. So for those that don't know, Patricia had a ghost shrimp breed successfully in her aquarium, which happens all the time. But what doesn't happen is the babies lived and are growing up in her tank, which is fantastic. Um, Carter. Oh, you're welcome, Carter. Um, James, does anyone know a good source for original strain of brown discus? Trying to think if I know of anyone that has any right now, James. I don't. Um, but I know people get them. And, well, okay, so by, so you're not wanting a wild discus, right? Um, if you want some of those nice brown discus, I'm pretty sure Hans Discus has some. Um, his partner in Germany that breeds them, they have some really nice strains of those. Um, there's several different strains of the brown discus and they have, they have some nice ones. So it might be worth checking out Hans. Um, but I, that's, I guess what I would suggest, cause I'm not thinking of a breeder that I know right now that's like, Hey, I've got a bunch of these. Um, I would check out simply discus and just post there and say, I'm looking for these and folks probably that have them might respond. Or you can also um, browse their different breeders and their stock and, you know, commercial discus suppliers and things like that. But they're out there. I just don't know of anyone that has any right now. Sorry, I wish I did. Um, but they're beautiful. Um, I like all the captive, you know, designer strain discus a lot, but I also really like the wild types too. They're fantastic. I like them all. <laughs> um, fishing glass. By the way, gudgeon breeding successful now. Now to fry husbandry. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm so glad to hear that. That's fantastic. If I remember right, that was the peacock gudgeons. And um, they hashed for you. Good. Good, good. If you have any questions about that, let me know. But I, I think you've heard my spiel. Um, you know how I do it. So uh, there might be other people that are successful though too. If anyone here has bred uh, gudgeons or gobies, it's very similar. So uh, if you have something to let James know about raising the fry, any tricks that you've learned, uh, please let us know here. Or I mean, fishing glass, sorry. Let us know. Uh, Thomas, James Floyd, check Uncle Sam's. Yeah, Uncle Sam's discus. Um, so Uncle Sam's discus is located in um, Southern California and they have a pretty good reputation. Um, all their stuff is imported from a breeder, I believe in Indonesia. I'd have to look to remember who their breeder is. Um, but they have a pretty stellar reputation. Um, you could totally check them out. Be aware though, that the vast majority of their stuff isn't bred here in the United States. And I'm only saying that not because I don't think that you can get discus from other sources. I I've done that plenty of times, but I know that some people only want discus bred in the United States. So that's the only reason I'm saying that. 
Um, not because I think it's a bad thing that they're doing that. So they have a great reputation, Uncle Sam's. Yep. Plus, they're the only discus supplier that has their tanks painted in like red, white, and blue backgrounds. So, <laughs> um, James, thanks, Thomas, Dan. I'll check the sites you recommended. All right, great. Well, I believe, folks, that we're gone for, we've gone for almost an hour now. We are at the bottom of the chat. So this is where I say, um, if anyone has any question that they want answered or anything to say, um, get it out real quick, because otherwise we're going to shut this down within a couple minutes. Um, but Patricia, you still blown my mind. I've never heard, I've never known anyone that successfully bred ghost shrimp, whether they were trying to or not. So Mazel tov, I, you're like the winner of the week for me. Um, that is cool. And man, if you can get a little colony of those going, then there's several people that I'm sure would be interested in that strain of, of um, ghost shrimp because people are constantly asking me, how do you breed ghost shrimp? So that's cool that you did that. Uh, Fishing Glass, do you sell Daphnia? I do not. I don't even have any Daphnia at the moment, Fishing Glass. Um, Patricia, awesome video. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, if you're talking about my video, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna assume you are. Thank you. <laughs> Bob Clater, thanks for a great stream. Always a pleasure. As well, thanks for joining us, Bob, and everyone else. It'd be pretty, pretty boring without you guys. Um, Candy, do you sell blackworm cultures? Candy, I don't. Um, they're so available out there. California blackworms, or I forget what the name of the East Coast supplier is, um, and, or just from your pet store. They're, they're out there and you don't need a specific culture. If you just go to your fish store or your pet store, if they sell blackworms, I don't know, maybe you live somewhere where you can't get them. Um, that's, that's what I did. I just got some from a wholesaler and they've been going great. Um, I just don't produce enough to have a bunch extra to sell. I mean, my fish eat a ton of them, so I'm sorry. I don't have any, um, Lumpy dog, minimum tank size for breeding angelfish. Well, if you're asking the minimum that it's possible to do, I'm going to say probably a 10 gallon. I've seen a lot of angelfish bred in 10 gallon tanks. Um, the way I prefer to do it though, is probably a 30 gallon split down the middle, a pair on each side of the division. Um, that gives them a little more height because they have the long uh, dorsal and anal fins, um, gives them a little more space. And the interaction of the two pairs can stimulate spawning and it it kicks in the protection instinct so the pair doesn't fight with each other as much and the pair doesn't eat the eggs as much and things like that because they're focused on that other pair of angelfish that they can see you know through that divider if it's a porous divider like like uh fluorescent diffusion panels that egg crate type stuff or whatever so I've seen it in tens a lot. I've even done it in tens a lot back back in the day. But um, full grown pair of angelfish, they would appreciate some more room. They get pretty big, yeah. Um, so that's my that's my take on that. But if you have a young pair and you got a ten gallon, you can do it. Twenty high, you can do it. In fact, there's nothing wrong with keeping a pair in a twenty. That that that's done all the time. It's just I find that if you have two pairs in the tank there's a lot more success spawning because of the reasons I just talked about. Um, all right. Um, Aqua Prentice, see you, Dan. Good to have you back. Well, thanks, Aqua. It's good to be back. 
Um, sorry again for falling off the face of the earth for a little while. <laughs> falling off a week early. I knew about last week. I didn't know about the week before. Um, candy. I can order from California. I can't get them from any fish stores in Montana. Oh, you're up in Montana. Well, hey, neighbor. Um, I know a store in Billings that has them, but you're probably far from Billings. Um, or at least they did. Yeah, so I've ordered from California blackworms. Worked just fine. Um, if you have, if you have a local fish store, you might try this, Candy. Um, if you have a local fish store, then the odds are that they're getting their fish from a wholesaler, and especially in Montana, they're probably getting them from Seagrest. They might be getting them from Seattle as well. But often fish stores in small towns um, are getting fish from Seagrest. And the reason is, is because Seagrest shipping in order minimums makes that possible for smaller stores. So I don't know if they'll tell you where they get their fish from, but if they get them from Seagrest, they can order blackworms from Seagrest farms. And so you might say, hey, I know Seagrest sells blackworms. On your next order, would you order me, I don't know, half a pound or a pound or whatever? And that's the thing. You're going to have to order in some quantity. And if you pay in advance they or pay half in advance or whatever, they might be willing to do that. So if, if whoever supplies them sells blackworms, they might be willing to order them from you. There'll probably be a caveat that they don't guarantee they'll arrive alive, that you have to pick them up you know, immediately because they don't want to care for them and all that. But that might work. And that might be less expensive than California blackworms. But if not, California blackworms is good at shipping blackworms, and this is the time of year to do it. Blackworms hate the heat, but they ship really well in the cold. Now, they don't want to freeze, but the company's going to know how to deal with that. Yeah. Um, or if you're ever through Sheridan, Candy, if you're close enough that you ever drive through Sheridan, just let me know, and I'll just, I'll just give you a small starter of, from one of my cultures. I can do that. Um, you know, once in a while for someone driving through town, I'm happy to do that. Um, Thomas, I'm only getting about 20% of my quarry eggs to hatch. Any tips on upping my brood? Um, sometimes that's species specific. There are some species of quarries that are um, just more difficult to spawn. So I guess, is that the, if that's the panda quarries, let me know. Is it the panda quarries? Could be. Um, that's actually a fairly common one to breed, fairly simple. I'm trying to remember which quarry you have, Thomas. But anyway, I treat my quarry eggs the same as every other eggs. I put them in a small container of uh, fresh water that's, you know, dechlorinated, but hasn't been in with any fish or anything like that, and that has been aerated, so it's gassed off any, any, anything that came out of the pipe. Um, I put some hydrogen peroxide in it and I put the uh, Corridor's eggs in there and I just change that, every, you know, two to four times a day, average of three, four times a day, probably. And um, every time I put in fresh water, I add hydrogen peroxide. It's the only trick I know. It's, it's always worked for me, so I've never had to try, you know, something else. Um, that being said, something that might work is if you're breeding them on like a slate or tile, something you can remove, 
if you put them in and you do all that water changing that I just talked about in the hydrogen peroxide, but if you add a small air stone just to get some circulation in there, that might help too, because that prevents detritus and things from settling on the eggs and giving bacteria and fungus a foothold. Um, and, and when we're talking about fungus eggs, we say that because they turn white and because sometimes they get like white filaments on them and stuff, but it's really bacteria. It's really a bacterial uh, attack, not, not a fungus, even though we use the term fungus. So keep that in mind. So um, if the hydrogen peroxide doesn't work for you, methylene blue could work. If that doesn't work, then um, if bacteria is the problem, then you could try some antibiotics, although you know, I'm last resort, right? But the other thing is just, you know, it could be a fertility thing too. If they're young fish, it could definitely be a fertility thing. Or there are quarries that do well in hard water and uh, might not spawn as well as soft water and vice versa. It's mostly soft water that they like, but there are some, you know, they come from a, a wide, wide range. So um, it's pandas. Okay. Uh, temperature. Um, Pandas come from cooler water than you would think, perhaps. So you might want to, let's see what happens if you drop the temperature three degrees, five degrees. Um, yeah, pandas like it cool. So that might, keep that in mind. That might be helpful. Um, so it could be a temperature thing. All right. Um, let's see here. Fishing glass. Thanks for the stream, Dan. Thanks, fishing glass. Thanks for being here. Christopher, Chris checking in. Chris, welcome. And uh, we're just about to sign off. We're wrapping up here, but I'm glad you're here and you can catch the, the rest on the replay. But thanks for joining us. Candy, I'm close to Billings. Okay, so what is the name of that store in Billings? Um, let me see. I'm going to look it up real quick. If everyone will give me a second. The Heights, the Heights Pet Center. If I remember right, Heights Pet Center has, um, has black worms. Um, and if they don't, they can probably get them. So you might want to check there. Um, or maybe you already have and they don't. But I'm pretty darn sure I've bought blackworms at the Heights. Um, all right. So, Candy, let me know if you've tried the Heights. If not, it sounds like you've tried them all. Okay, so they don't. Well, either I'm wrong or they stopped carrying them. All right. California blackworms it is. They'll do a good job. It's just you hate paying that shipping. <laughs> shipping will get you. Um, Carter, how much do you add? Um, if you're talking about hydrogen peroxide, when it's in a small container, I kind of feel it. Um, depends on the size of the container, but three drops, five drops maybe. But pretty much the dosage is two milliliters per gallon. Two milliliters per gallon is what you're going for. And that's just a baseline. You can experiment with more, with less, whatever works for your water. Two milliliters per gallon is, is uh, roughly what works in my water. Um, Dink tanks, any stir by in the future of your fish room? I love stir by. I tried to get them in. I tried to get stir by and pandas, but I was shorted. So yes, definitely. I mean, is there a corridor that's prettier than a fully... Uh, happy, glowing stir-by. I mean, they're gorgeous fish. I love them. Um, so yeah, I just don't know when. It's not like going to happen tomorrow or next month, but yeah, at some point I'll get more stir-by. 
for sure. Um, candy. Oh, yeah. Tried that. All right. Sorry, I wish I could have helped you better, Candy. But awesome to know that you're just up in Billings. Um, if you drive through Sheridan, let me know. I'll give you a sample or a, a small starter for blackworms. Or next time I head up there, uh, maybe I could see your tanks. That'd be cool. I mean, let me know. I'm not just inviting myself over, but um, it'd be cool. It's it's cool to know that there's someone close by that's this interested in fish. That's always cool to find those people. Um, Lumpy Dog, any new fish hitting your website soon? No. Um, I've been... It's my fault too. I've been so, here's my excuse. Um, and it's always an excuse, right? But I've been so busy that I just haven't really been pushing the fish at all. I haven't put out any new videos on fish. I have to highlight them. I haven't been posting out in social media or anything like that. So, so I haven't been selling a ton, um, just cause I've been too darn busy. Um, and I can't wait till I can tell you why. Um, there's, I have a cool announcement for the fish fam, but it's going to, I'm, I'm still working on something that I think is cool. Um, it's going to be a little wild though. So don't, you know, don't, don't get, <laughs> I can't, it's going to be a while before I'm ready to tell you what it is. But anyway, I've been working on that. So I haven't sold as many fish. And my issue is I've got to sell the next shipment is going to be, I hope from Nigeria I'm still working on that. Um, and I've just got to clear out my tanks before I can do that. So my issue is when, when you buy fish from a collector or an exporter or a, a breeder, you know, at a commercial scale or a transshipper, you have to buy a lot of fish at once. Um, they're not interested in sending you a bag of fish. You have to buy boxes of fish and multiple boxes of fish. Um, and... So in order for me to do that, I have to kind of clear out what I have first. And I just haven't been pushing that. So I've got an order I'm excited about, but it's going to be a little while. As soon as I can find the time to really push the fish I have, um, then I'll be able to clear the tanks and, uh, and figure out the finalization, I hope, of the shipment from Nigeria. So anyway, I don't know if you wanted that much information, but that's where we're at. Um, when I buy fish, I buy huge quantities generally. And I've got, I've got to have somewhere to put them all. Plus, there's a lot of paperwork and permitting and, and things that can take a little time. Um, Candy, I drive through Sheridan to go to Denver for chemo for my son. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you have to make that trip for that reason. But um, if you're coming through, give me a heads up. And if I'm around, then I'd be happy just to give you a little squirt of blackworms. That's not a problem. Um, Susie Q O'Connor loved your fish room tour. My favorite was the last 10 minutes. Oh gosh. What did I do the last 10 minutes? Did I rant? I probably ranted. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Um, I assume you're talking about the updated fish room tour. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, Candy, send me an email with kind of the date if you have it, or let me know when the date happens. I do have a production in April that I have to do. Um, and, uh, so it just kind of depends on when you're going down. Uh, but when I get in production mode, uh, it, it's intense for me. But yeah, you showed your, oh, Susie Q O'Connor showed your equipment in the setup. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, good. So it wasn't some crazy rant. <laughs> Glad it was helpful. I always like that when I see someone's fish room or a video of fish rooms. I, I don't just want to see the fish, right? Um, that's cool too, but I'm always itching to know how they have their setup. What are they doing that I can like 
steal that idea and implement it to make my room better, all that stuff. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it. Hope it was helpful or at least entertaining. Yeah. All right, folks. Um, that's it. Thanks for joining us. Um, I'm happy you're here. I love doing this. And same time next week, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, I will be here and uh, we'll catch you then. So have a great evening. I'm going to stop this. And until then, I hope everything goes well for you guys. All right.